Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And this is the Industrial Design Podcast hosted by us. Um, <laughs> if you're just tuning in for the first time, we talk about design and life and, I don't know, whatever's on our mind, right? Yeah. This is uh, episode three. We're making this a trilogy. <laughs> a trilogy. This is it. Option for a fourth. <laughs> um, how was your week, James? It was good. This week was very exciting because... I was able to release my collaboration with uh, Derek Elliott. Um, it was the helicopter animation. Nice. Yes, the helicopter. Yeah, you, I can, saw it. Uh, you can find that on my Instagram. I draw on receipts. Um, it's super exciting. So I just had this idea of I want to get this, this helicopter animated. Um, and Derek had posted a comment on one of one of my posts and I checked out his profile and saw that he was doing animation. Right. And and, and for those of you who haven't seen the helicopter, it's like a toy helicopter. It's like yeah. a 3D model and you wanted to have it move. Cuz we're just designers. We just all our 3D models don't move at all. Just... <laughs> exactly. That's that's kind of how I felt. I was like I have this I have this lifeless. It's basically, you know, it's just like a lifeless body uh sitting in solidworks right um and a cadaver and and i wanted to bring it to life and i found my dr frankenstein in uh derek elliott and so yeah i reached out to him and i was like hey would you be interested in like a collaboration like i have this helicopter and i was wondering if you'd be interested in in animating it and he was totally on board and um from what i know of 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 Derek and and hopefully I'm getting this right. He um, is an industrial design grad. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And um, he, but he ended up kind of going deeper into the 3D world. Right. And so he primarily uses Blender for for 3D as well as animation. I'm always seeing his animations. He does a lot of really interesting stuff. Yeah. And I gotta commend him because. Maybe maybe a couple couple of months ago, or maybe it was like last year, I was doing a rant about how I think that videos should always have sound because mm. I hate when I watch a video and it has no sound. <laughs> and he he stuck to that. He thought that was an amazing uh, rant, and I always admire that he always adds sound now in his videos. So. Where is this rant available? <laughs> it was an Insta story. It's gone. <laughs> Twenty four hours. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so. Um... I sent him the helicopter and I said, oh, the only thing that I told him was I wanted the helicopter to be, you know, basically like still and then fly up into the air and come back down and land. Yeah. And that was it. And I wanted it to be a continuous loop. Um, what he came back with was, was some of what you see in the final video was that, you know, like um, that wall behind the helicopter right. it looks like a little base or something a little yeah helicopter base. it's like a you know it's like a testing site yeah and and it, and then the pad that comes up and spins and then absorbs the shock of the landing and it was one of those moments where you realize like this is what collaborations are all about it's like this unexpected um you know this unexpected delightful contribution right from another creative right you know i i'm certainly no expert in terms of animation and derek took my 
helicopter and and gave it this little world that it lived in <laughs> it's and, beautiful i love it and so you know we we talked and and kind of fleshed out um other details to add um but it was it was just like a really exciting process uh working with him and yeah and i was really happy with the result yeah i mean i think that the 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 beauty of that collaboration is that you guys both have complementary skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that especially in design school, you get a little um, maybe burnt out on collaboration in some sense. I see. But maybe be, that be, stems because everyone's a, the industrial designer at the table. Right. So so you think that collaboration in school... I mean, but but the thing is, is that different designers, like designer to designer, like you and I probably have variable strengths and weaknesses oh yeah totally agree Mm -hmm. uh so there is a bit of that but i understand what you're saying like collaborating outside of just the norm right yeah i'm speaking generally obviously in school there's wonderful collaborations as well but um it's so beautiful that you can collaborate with someone who has this you know completely different skill set than you and it comes out beautifully that's awesome Yeah, definitely check it out on uh, James's Instagram if you guys haven't seen it already. Yeah, and check out um, Derek's uh, Instagram. It's uh, Derek J. Elliott. Uh, there's a link in the uh, in the description for the helicopter, but he's got some really really cool animations. Yeah. Oh, and also, guys, you know, if you're just tuning in the f- for the first time, we have our minor details on po- Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and minordetailspodcast.com yeah and if you check out the dot com site you can see all the photos and descriptions and links and stuff so mm-hmm. absolutely now uh nick do you have any updates any uh in- anything on in my week well i yeah. i do i'm pretty excited about it um core 77 which is the big industrial design blog just published a article about me um it was an interview so i kind of went over to the, i went over to the office uh you know, one one evening in this past month, and uh, talk to them about what I do and kind of what I'm, you know, working on right now. I mean, we talked about VR sketching and uh, a little bit of almost object. Also mentioned the podcast, so um, had to had to had to plug that in there. <laughs> and uh, it was really good. So check it out if you haven't seen it already. Um, it's on core77.com. And uh, yeah, that was that was about it for my week. I think. Oh, I I'm working on the um, I think I hinted at it last time the almost object shirt. Mm. Did I say it was a shirt? I think I said it was a shirt. Did you? I think you might have. Yeah. I put a little uh, I put a little teaser in the almost object Instagram, so check that out. Um, but the samples are coming. I ordered them from China, so they're coming soon. Oh wow. Um, but yeah, I mean you know productive week. Worked on some client projects, the usual. Yeah. That's what we do as freelancers. Um, yeah, so we thought we'd start doing a little design news segment. Mm. I don't know if it'll be every week, but you know, we <laughs> we need a little. Uh... Oh, speaking of sound effects, yeah. <laughs> speaking of sound effects, quick sidebar: we don't really have a um, intro or outro to our podcast yet. And if any of you guys are musically inclined, we'd love just a submission. We would certainly shout you out at the end. Um, send your submissions to minor details podcast at gmail.com and who knows if we like it you know maybe we'll start using it be, or be be our main theme it might be who knows who knows who knows um 
But in design news this week, it was posted around quite a bit, but you know, the we had the first hit and kill of a pedestrian by an autonomous vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the Uber autonomous vehicles. Now, these Uber cars, they're not like futuristic at all. They're normal driving cars, but they have a bunch of sensors and they can drive automatically without anyone touching the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, legally, legally, there always has to be a person in the car. Mm. So any of the autonomous cars you see will always have a driver, but the driver's not doing anything. Yeah. Um, and I think really there's a video online. Um, we'll link to it so you guys can see it. But essentially the car was driving down the highway at night and, you know, the driver in the car or the passenger, I don't know what you want to call the, <laughs> what do you call a driver of an autonomous vehicle? Oh my, um, co-pilot? Co-pilot? <laughs> The pilot is the computer. Yeah. Um, was looking at their phone and, you know, obviously wasn't paying attention to the road. And to be fair, I mean, if the car's driving itself, like, I would probably be doing the same thing. Not yeah. going to lie. Um, and there was a person, a biker, I believe, crossing the middle of the street on a highway. Like, it was not a appropriate crosswalk at all in the middle of the dark. Um, and it just came out of nowhere. They yeah. Got, they got hit. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's been quite a controversial topic this week, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, James. Or I, I think I could probably play devil's advocate a, a bit on both sides. W- one thing that I've been a little bit frustrated with is the news coverage about it, okay. because outside of just design news, because I feel like a lot of the news coverage that I've been seeing, whether it be like the local news stations or... Or even the bigger, like, I watch CBS this morning, or, uh, yeah, every morning. And a lot of the coverage is very much like, could this mean the end for autonomy? (laughs) And it's very clickbaity. Yeah. And, you know, they're just, like, trying to play up the drama. I I think there's a couple points to be made. Um, And I think one of the, the biggest ones is, like... You know, this is this is a it's terrible what happened. You know, it's a tragedy right, right. what's happened. But would this person like uh, would this person have been hit regardless? In the video, if you haven't seen the video, you definitely need to watch it because it does very well seem like even if you are fully attentive in driving down the road, it seems almost unavoidable because this person was crossing this highway in the darkness and it was like blink of an eye yeah they appeared yeah you know there there have been i think there's also been maybe you know especially in the early days with the with tesla there was the incident where the guy um who was in the car while it was on autopilot died because it went under a semi truck because it didn't detect the semi truck because the semi truck was the same color as the sky Yeah. yeah and you know part of me feels like this is it's it's kind of it's kind of the the terrible price that you pay right. sometimes when there's innovation being made. Yep. And you know, it's just thinking about the number of deaths that happen when there are drivers. Right. Right. It's it's something to be considered. Yeah, I think you know, one of the points that I saw especially kind of reading through the comments and the articles was 
you know, this there was this passenger, co-pilot, whatever you want to call him, in the Uber autonomous car looking at his phone. Um, and people were giving him a lot of maybe hate for that mm-hmm. and, you know, saying how, like, irresponsible this is and, like, how um, we can't allow autonomous driving cars to, you know, exist because this is going to happen. People are not even going to care about looking at the road at all. And I, I kind of feel bad because, well, one... I feel like people are already looking at their phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, you know, I, I was living in Texas for two and a half years, commuting to, to and from work every single day in traffic, and I would just look over. No one's looking at no one's looking at the road. Everyone's just like on their phone. Yeah. Uh, and and there, no one has autonomous cars, so <laughs> this yeah. is a real car, and no one's looking at the phone. Yeah. So I, f- I was a little upset that people kind of gave them hate for that. But, yeah, no, there are a lot of di- already distracted drivers, and right. this is a distracted co-pilot. But on the other hand, I feel like, how did the car not not have advanced enough sensors to to like foresee what was what was coming? Yeah, that's one thing I was thinking about too. And I was reading comments like, you know, why was the car equipped with like infrared sensors mm-hmm. or, you know. Uh, I don't know whether kind of sensors there are ultrasonic sensors yeah where they could sense something that wasn't you know visually you know there um and i, I never really got a quite a good answer on that but it seems as if maybe the the actual algorithms and the computer itself aren't aren't, aren't to the stage where they've learned aren't sophisticated enough yet yeah because yeah, it, it's one thing to like look at the video and be like well of course but but on the other hand it feels like well the camera is not what's guiding the car right you know there there's there should be something more advanced guiding the car but you know it's it yeah i, I don't know it's it's a really difficult topic and it's a tricky topic to talk about yeah i i think you know in the end I'm all for autonomous driving. I think that obviously a computer can drive much better than humans. I think inevitably it'll save more lives. Definitely, definitely. You know, uh, I think that this is these we are. You know, this is what I often think about a lot of times when we're when we're talking about innovation and progress and and areas where we are not doing as well as we could be in terms of sustainability or whatever. Right. I feel like. As humans living in in our time or living at any time, we are like we are standing right against the wall of evolution. Right, it's the bleeding edge, right? Yeah, and always. It's, and it's just like uh, you know, of course, there's there are going to be mistakes made, but inevitably, like or eventually, this I, I think this technology will be incredibly beneficial. Yeah, it's it's always a growing pain, you know. And also, you know, there's a lot of people who are always hesitant to change. Absolutely. um, And scared of change. And that's understandable. It's human nature to be scared of change. Yeah. Um, But innovation, innovation changes. Yeah. I've, I've often thought about it would be, I think it'd be a really great short film. This idea of having like an entire city of autonomous vehicles. And what do they do at night when when nobody's driving them what do they do they charge no do they do they yeah like what or you know except the day when they don't charge if we're talking about vehicles that are are maybe like shared vehicles instead of following a character you follow the vehicle 
because I feel like in the autonomous world, this this vehicle, especially in a city, has has like almost a life of its own. <laughs> That's kind of funny. You know, I it reminds me of um, I know someone put a GPS on their cat one day. So when they left for work, they came back home. They could track where their cat's been. It, w- uh, it went all around the neighborhood, but it always came back. That's good. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> but yeah, I was you know, autonomous cars are interesting, and I'm excited to see the future. You know, me too. I think there there might not be a more exciting time to be alive. We have a bunch of companies competing for to be like the first to market with like a really right. great autonomous vehicle. Dyson just added their name to the mix not too long oh, ago. Oh, I think I saw that. I remember which that. I that. think is super exciting. I actually just <laughs> bought a Dyson this weekend. Nice. Congrats, uh, James. Thank you very much. Very proud of that. <laughs> um, and, you know, we also have a bunch of big corporations who are like, you know, back in the 60s, there were there were nations racing in, into space. And now we have giant corporations. Right. Everything's corporate space. now. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of amazing. It is interesting. Um, this, uh, this week, we also wanted to talk about kind of a, a big topic, and that is design within reach. Mm-hmm. And we mean that in more of a broader sense than an actual store. But we're talking about like is high, how high design is very expensive, and yeah. it's, it, it's the premium of design. It's like this, this kind of goal, this like design that's put up on a pedestal of what design should be um, but it's not really achievable through the masses like no. bu- budget wise like no i mean i think about like the eames chairs yeah if you want an authentic Eames chair from herman miller i mean what are you looking at a thousand yeah it, it's that i mean that alone is insane to me like these chairs have been around since the 60s right and the fact that we can't make them more affordable now than than when they were released yeah i i was recently at the design within reach outlet store so design within reach is also a store yes and and just to give you some premise if you guys aren't familiar with it it's design within reach is a fancy high-end furniture store that sells all modern furniture yeah and it's really expensive and it's by a lot of high-end like fancy famous designers yeah but they lure you in with the within reach (laughs) their name says within reach (laughs) when they mean within reach they mean you can walk into the store you can touch touch the furniture and walk out (laughs) without spending anything exactly (laughs) it's basically a zoo for high design It's uh, but the yeah. So the problem is recently I went to the Design Within Reach outlet here in Brooklyn in Industry City, and even the outlet was ex like exorbitantly expensive. Oh, so this is like a mini store or something. This is this is where this is, supposed to be the this budget? is where defective like a lot of defective products go oh. or products that yeah like have noticeable damage. Right. Like there were tables that had chunks of material taken out of them and it was like maybe from what i remember like 10 percent off the original price what, what, do you remember what the table cost though oh thousands it's thousands you know and it, so instead of saying spending spending four thousand dollars for that table you can spend you know three three thousand eight hundred yeah and they had and and the it's products, missing it's missing a leg but. the products weren't treated with any sort of dignity like the the lighting area the they were just it was it was just like 
broken lights sprawled out oh, on no. tables like broken chandeliers it's like the, it's like the tables. it's like the appliance shelf at goodwill oh, you my, oh yeah exactly exactly <laughs> except imagine that goodwill is going to cost you i don't know a goodwill more than what it usually does oh man uh, but it was it was absurd i couldn't i couldn't believe the the prices still and it and it made me think and i said this out loud i you know i was like ikea should be called design within reach and design within reach should be called ikea because who knows what the heck ikea means <laughs> like <laughs> ikea sounds like more of a high-end designer it does. brand it does. <laughs> that's a great that's good that's thank good you like that's that that's gonna be in my stand-up <laughs> routine <laughs> oh man um but uh yeah i mean i just feel like i really i although it is quite an endeavor to walk to go and walk through an ikea which i have done since moving into my new apartment like three separate weekends like right. had to make ikea trips and it's it's a journey uh it is probably one of my favorite stores still to walk through because I'm like, this is affordable, good design. I I totally agree. And I understand that, you know, sometimes IKEA gets a little hate because it's like cheap, right? Yeah. But it's still good. Like it's, you know, I mean, it'll last you plenty of years. I mean, it's not going to last you multiple generations of your lifetime. No. Um, but still, I think I agree with you. It's, it's definitely ikea within reach you know like it's <laughs> it makes a, a lot more sense um and i really enjoy ikea a lot as well yeah i well and and that's the thing is i remember ikea even five years ago not having the quality that they do now i feel like the quality has actually gotten a lot better oh okay and and we have a few few pieces of furniture this one high top table that is like legitimately constructed like something that I feel like could last quite a long time and I, I feel like that's like kind of one of their pushes right now is actually making like super good quality uh, both materially and build wise um, and yeah and, and I love a lot of the collaborations that they do with with designers and they have they had the new hey collaborate yeah. collaboration last year Oof, they I have get, some new collaborations this year I, I was looking at and man I'm excited do you uh do you know teenage engineering are you familiar oh with I have an op1 oh Nick you've never showed me wow <laughs> I, I I don't feel like we're friends James <laughs> that's that's a pretty intimate moment when I show you my op1 we won't explain what op1 is for those of you we'll just leave it at that <laughs> um they're doing a collaboration with IKEA teenage engineering I saw that it's only like a like a a one image so far that's been released. It's like it's like a, a leaked image. I almost oh, feel such like. a teaser. But it's going to be you know, uh, teenage engineering is a speaker. Well, they're kind of like a technical. I don't even know what you want to call them. They're audio company. Yeah, of some sort. They're audio definitely more like uh, they do they do the one speaker uh, right now, but they also they have the uh, a lot of synthesizers. A lot of different synth and, right right you know it's very musically based electronics company right i'm excited for that collaboration that that's very exciting um i did want to kind of air my beef with design within reach yes so, please go well kind of going along with the actual store the actual store design within reach kind of released their new 
they had this new campaign they released. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Mm-mm. It was la- they released it last year. I can't remember the actual name. I think it was like Be Original or something. Mm-hmm. And the premise of it was that they had they had all the fake famous chairs, right? They had the fake Eames next to the real Eames that they made or they mm-hmm. sold. And you know they had the fake Barcelona chair next to the real Barcelona chair that they sold. And you know obviously they look the exact same. They're copies, right? But of course. You know, their whole whole thing was like, hey, the real deal is much more durable and stronger and it's better built and, you know, don't buy fake products. And I feel like there's a flaw with that because these aren't these aren't like new original products. I mean, they've yeah. they've been around for 60 some years. Like, right. what are you talking about? Original? It's 60 years old. Like, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> my, my problem, my problem is, is that. You know, if you want to protect your idea, amazing, great. Like, produce a product, protect your idea, and, you know, you can protect it for what? I don't know how long a patent lasts or... Um, or a design patent. Design patent lasts. But, like, you know, you think about Apple, everyone's going to buy an authentic Apple. No yeah. one's going to buy a fake iPhone. That's Ooh. absurd. <laughs> the reason is, is that Apple is always innovating. They're always... That one listener who has a fake iPhone just turned, never... it, turned it off, just turned off our podcast. I've never even seen a fake iPhone. I, I've seen some fakes. There's some good un- unboxing videos of some fake iPhones. Well, I'm sorry if you have a fake iPhone. I, I don't mean to shame you or any, anything. But <laughs> but you know, my point is is that you know my philosophy, especially with my brand that I started to almost object, um, is that I want to create really interesting, innovative products. And right when I announce them, they're available, right? Mm. If you want the original, you get it. Like it's it's there. I get the first sale of the first crowd, right? And then after that, sure, there might be knockoffs that come trickling down. I, you know, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking long term. Like <laughs> I I know there's no knockoffs right now, and I Who's don't got mean to, the knockoff Ben Mirror. Don't mean to be like that, but yo DM me. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean is like you should just always be pushing design, not like. It's like design within reach is holding on to the past, right? Mm-hmm. They're like holding on to the past and try to keep it sacred. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, let's just move on. It's not even mid, mid-century modern is not even in style anymore. It's not even the mid-century. It's, oh. This is 2018. Oh, this isn't mid-century. I do love mid-century modern. Every, listen, everyone loves mid-century modern. But, <laughs> you know, if you want to be stylish, this is not the mid-century. I guess so. Yeah, except for like every single modern facility is is like stocked with Eames chairs or Hans Wagner chairs. Or I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to uh, shame. Just bent, mid- bent plywood. I listen. I love me some bent plywood. Look, mm. just get a building, shove it full of bent plywood, and you're the most modern kid on the block. Uh, yeah, I mean it's okay. Once again, yeah. I'd like to play devil's advocate. Uh, let's do it. Are, you know, when we talk about these exorbitant prices, are are we? Sometimes I feel like maybe as I don't know if it's as Americans. Like I've I've heard I've heard uh, rumors that the the kids our age in like Sweden and Copenhagen, like they have those chairs and they just they take them with them mm. wherever they go, and it's not about. Uh. 
you know, stocking your place with new IKEA furniture every time you move, but it's about the belongings that you have and taking them with you and buying things that will last. Now that that is a completely like that definitely turns the tables on the conversation a bit. Yeah. Because um, I definitely think about uh, my grandfather had a lot of the real stuff. He had the real deal. He was an architect, and he mm-hmm. had you know my he he passed away but my parents live in my grandfather's house now um that he had designed and built and you know there's like he had designed in a specific kind of corridor for the molded plywood eames chairs mm. and they're authentic i mean they're the real deal you know the whole set probably costs five thousand plus i mean it's it's original 1960s yeah and um you know, I feel like when you have that kind of heirloom stuff, of course you take it and it lasts a lifetime. But when you talk about the stuff that's produced today, I don't know. I don't know what that means. And are they just price gouging um, based on the the designer, the design itself? Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between like a 1960s molded plywood chair and a 2018 molded plywood chair. That's just a, you know, they're same manufacturing techniques yeah same quality but yeah i don't know i think every price tag should contain should have on it and this is a regulation that i'm trying to pass through congress <laughs> uh should have on it the projected lifespan oh that's interesting because i remember when i was in school an emico um guy came to talk to us and okay. emico th- is famous for producing the navy chair right another the, another famous chair and they also do a lot of collaborations with different designers the thing that i really liked was they talked about the lifespan of a navy chair and it was like i don't even remember but it was a it was that multiple thing, generations that thing's indestructible it is virtually indestructible i th- i really love emico and and what they do because it's like if I bought an Emico chair, I would be confident in its in the price being like equally related to the durability of the product, like the the quality yeah. of the product. I do admire that a lot, and I think at a certain point, I, I think Americans are bad at that. Like, I think are you saying like the Europeans, like they really, you know, they'll save up to buy good things, like mm-hmm. a, a really nice quality objects that they'll really use and keep. Americans, on the other hand, we all about we're all about disposable, like cheap, quick. Yeah. Hey, let's get some IKEA. Let's yeah. get some uh, some cheap jackets and clothes. Although I would be interested because IKEA, after all, is a Swedish company. You know, is is this just rumor or are Swedish homes filled with IKEA furniture? Well, let's just imagine that they are, because I don't want to <laughs> break that. Uh, I don't want make. I don't want to break that dream. No, I and I wouldn't want to break that. Well, I wouldn't want to break your dream, Nick. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a definitely a conflicting thing that I have in my in my heart. Yeah. It's a big it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know I was kind of vouching for knockoffs earlier like, "Hey, you know, just you need to innovate. Like people are going to knock you off no matter what. Keep innovating." And like I've been personally knocked knocked off mm-hmm. with my lamp. Right. That might be a story for another pod, but um yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm on their side. Like I get it. Like I didn't make it fast enough. Like people wanted it. Yeah. I couldn't provide. Like someone else is going to take that. Did that they cake. actually end up making it? Why don't we just talk about it now? <laughs> sure. Did, did, sure. Tell tell the backstory. Right. Right. Okay. So I designed. This was 
this was my sophomore year at SCAD mm-hmm. when I was in design school. I had designed this nightlight, and it looks like a triangle. Mm-hmm. I, I called it the prism nightlight, and, mm-hmm. it, and it tilts back and forth. Um, it's like a seesaw. Right, it's like a seesaw. Um, you know, it has two wooden ends, and then the center part is this glowing lamp. And it's really easy because all you have to do is set it on your nightstand, and in the middle of the night, you have to, like, get up, get a glass of water, go to the bathroom or whatever, instead of, like, fumbling around for that dang lamp switch. You know, it's, like, up <laughs> on that stem of the lamp, and you start knocking crap over. You can just, like, reach over and tilt it. Listen, every time I break my bedside lamp, I just go to <laughs> Ikea and get another one. <laughs> dang it, James. You're the problem. <laughs> um, but it was this, you know, simple kind of fun idea I had, and I did it for my first studio project you know, took nice photos of it, posted on my website. And a couple months later, I started seeing like a bunch of appreciations from my Behance. Like it was kind of taking off. Mm. It's like, oh, wow, this is this is cool. I, people are really liking this. Um, and apparently it hadn't got posted on some big blogs like Colossal and Fast Company. Um, and it had really kind of taken the viral, the viral route on the, on the web. Mm-hmm. which was amazing and you know I was all about that I even had like a some other designer give me a cease and desist because I was supposedly copying his lamp um, whoa yeah it's it was there was a lot of emails that came in wanting to buy the lamp this sounds like a future Netflix series <laughs> it it's it gets it's a long story it just keeps getting longer and longer I tell you James um, are we still in the story oh we're only halfway through <laughs> I told you it should be a whole podcast in itself Um. But we, uh, you know, I, you know, I kind of just said like, hey, it's just a prototype. I can't sell it right now. Like, I'm not. I'm just a student, right? Like, I'm trying to like get by here. <laughs> and uh, anyways, all, all's good. Um, kind of fizzles out. And then a few months go by, and I start. You know, I'm a big Alibaba guy, and AliExpress too. You know, I'm always searching for those deals. You gotta get those good, <laughs> good, cheap deals. You know. <laughs> What are you really searching for, Nick, when you I don't go know. on Alibaba? I, I honestly don't remember what I was searching for <laughs> on AliExpress. Um, but I came across my lamp on AliExpress, which is, if you guys aren't familiar with Alibaba and AliExpress, they're kind of the Amazon of China. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw my lamp on AliExpress. I'm like, wait, what? Why is it on here? And I click on it, and apparently some you know company in China had taken my pictures off my website and posted them on their uh, AliExpress page and was like, hey, we're selling this item. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. Um, This is not right. (laughs) (laughs) And I scroll down and I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe they're just like bluffing. They don't have the actual product. I scroll down. They have their own pictures too of the product they made. And it looks exactly like mine. Now, granted, didn't have every detail. Every detail wasn't correct. Like proportions were a little off. Mm. It didn't have a little dimple at the top, and I, the dimple was a big thing. Yeah, um, I know that just is making no sense right now because we're just talking about it. But <laughs> long story short, they had they were selling my product, um, which is a whole nother like it, it took took the blog by storm again. And, you know, I was like, I posted in the forums on Core seventy seven and was like, hey guys, what are, what are your thoughts on this? And then Core seventy seven made a whole post about it. And it had like 80 comments and people, lawyers were calling me like, hey, I can help you. And I'm like, I don't, I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh my gosh. Um, but anyways, it was a, it was a great learning experience. And I would say that 
you know, all the press was good press, you know, even though it was like knockoff press. Did you, did they ever actually produce the lamb? That I can't really say. I, I've never been able to buy it. Mm. Um, Is it still up? Yeah, it's, it's still up online on AliExpress and I think it's sold out. So I don't know if it was purchasable at one point. Right. Maybe if it was just a prototype and they're waiting for more inquiry about it or what. Um, but yeah, that's the lamb story. So yeah, you know, to end that in that topic, I've had experience with knockoffs before, and right. um, I don't know. I feel like it was my fault. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, I should have just kept moving, which I did. But what was your fault? That I, it was my fault that I didn't actually produce the product and sell it right when I released it. Mm. So are so do you feel like you have to do that? in this day and age a little bit now you know and this is kind of getting into people that can be scared of posting their ideas because i i'm also on the side of like hey you have a cool sketch post it right the the kicker here is when you finish the final product that's when you need to be careful about posting it because Mm. you know unless see this can this is such a tricky situation because it's hard to really know because I know there's a lot of students out there that really love their products and they're really, you know, interested in them. And maybe they're a little hesitant because they think they might get knocked off or someone's going to copy them. Um, and my advice is like, hey, just post it. I mean, you're a student. Like, it it doesn't matter. Like, you have, you know, 40 more years of your career. You're right. going to be fine. Right. If someone copies it, like happened to me, all the better. You have a good story to tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, design, we're not designers because we want to make money. Yeah. Like, well, and, and the other thing about your lamp is like, even though somebody overseas ended up copying it, it doesn't restrict you at all from making it yourself here. I could still make it if you I wanted to. You could still make mm-hmm. it. Now, I this is going back to like my idea of, I don't know, did I mention, I, well, I would have to redesign it now. It's been four or five years, and it definitely feels so stale now that I would have to redesign <laughs> it if I made it again. That's, I mean, but that's that's part of the process. Right, but, right. But, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't see any reason you couldn't make it if you wanted to now. And and I feel like it's probably a badge of honor to get to get something copied it's, it on is, Alibaba. It is kind of fun. It's like a nice, it's a nice compliment. I search Alibaba constantly trying to figure out if they ripped me off. <laughs> no, DJ. No, I don't. <laughs> but I will now. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's such a sticky situation and it's, it's hard to really give any concrete solutions to the whole design within reach, expensive design versus copying and stuff yeah. like that. I feel like there's a place in the market and and I really like this place that is entry level good design. That is your IKEAs, right. your Umbras, mm-hmm. your you know kind of. I mean, may I even go as far as say Target? Yeah, Target has some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's there's brands. I mean, uh, you know, I think I don't know where it where it stems from. If it all goes back to Apple, I mean, part of me feels like people being able to afford these beautiful design objects like their smartphones they 
they then extend that to everything else in their life. And they're Mm. like, well, why can't I then afford, you know, other really high quality designer type products? Yeah. And, um, no, I feel like I, I love the sort of entry level good design and, and I love designers who will design for that right. entry level. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Because that's true. That's true industrial design, in right. my opinion. For the masses, you know. Which um, uh, kind of leads into our first question. Yeah, we wanted answers to questions. We uh, talked about that topic for a good time. I don't know. Uh, our, our first question comes from Cadabra Carl. Um, we talked about him first episode, I believe. He is the eggs head of design. Mm-hmm. in where was it sweden norway norway sorry oh. sorry sorry <laughs> it kind of all melts together i'm sorry no! i know i'm a dumb <laughs> i'm a dumb american i'm sorry guys um he was talking about how at their studio they have a hardware design um group they have about 10 guys doing industrial design there and they're still kind of struggling with the fact of you know this transition of product designer to industrial designers. So if you guys aren't familiar, product design now refers to UI, UX, app design. You know, if you look, if you search up product design on the job boards, you're going to get a job that's more like app development. Don't remind me. <laughs> and before, you know, four or five years ago, it was all, you know, physical products. If you search product design, you'd be designing, hey, houseware products or you know car products or whatever products mm-hmm. um and now we're seeing that transition of hey this is now digital products if you refer to product it's only digital yeah and he's kind of struggling with that and he's he's asking us to name his group now in Ooh. his company so the what what we're gonna what are we gonna name it <laughs> awesome group (laughs) well first of all can i can i say how irritated i am that ux ui took the name product design like why well i know what happened you know you want to hear my theory tell me i'm gonna start a lot of flame wars right here let me just tell you (laughs) so i think i know where you're going and i and i want to hear you unravel (laughs) it and ruin your career (laughs) you know what happened was is that there was a bunch of industrial designers who, <laughs> who who graduated, who graduated, and they really wanted to be industrial designers. They really wanted to design that fancy car, but of course they just couldn't schedule enough. They couldn't design. Oh, <laughs> so Ooh, so twisting so, the knife. So Google decided to hire them, and uh, said, "Hey, we'll hire you. You'll just design our digital products." And they're like, "Okay, can I be a product designer still though?" And Google's like, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. I am sorry. I just had to get that out there. Yeah. I listen, mean, listen. The the beast on us because product designers make twice as much as oh, industrial designers. They're so hot right now. They, you guys, everybody wants them. You wanna you wanna make some money? Be a product designer. Yeah. Be a be a UX UI person. Yeah. All all, all love goes out to you guys. I know it. You know it feels like right now UX UI designers are like Beyonce. And uh, and and industrial designers are Kelly Rowland. I'm not familiar with a oh, pop culture. Destiny's story. Child, <laughs> Nick, James, you're gonna lose me. Okay, well, hopefully the more educated. I know. Pop I know Beyonce. Listeners. Isn't Beyonce Jay Z's wife? Yes. Okay. Good. Very good, Nick. <laughs> now Beyonce belonged to a group called Destiny's Child, 
back in the early 2000s. Okay. And then they split up. Oh. And there's Beyonce and her career. And and she's UX UI. But then there's also Kelly Rowland, who is also a member of... Destiny's Child. Got it. I got the I got the correlation now. And she had a she had a few minor hits, um, but nothing like Beyonce's career. But what I'm saying, yeah. So basically, the analogy holds, and we're just not the sexiest thing right now. But that's okay. That's okay. James. That's okay because we love what we do, and that's the most important thing. If you love UI UX, if you love digital product design, if you love industrial design, like you do, you just do what you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, but in terms of what to call what to call the group, yeah, what should we? Yeah, so just to go on record here, I am saying now officially, product design does not refer to industrial design. Don't yeah. call yourself a product designer. That's that's my personal take. <clears throat> I know it hurts. I know you guys want to call yourself product designers. It's so frustrating. But in this day and age, we have to accept the fact that we are industrial designers, and that is it. Yeah, but, Except, but the problem, of course, that we all know about calling yourself an industrial designer is that when you say what you do people are like hey do you design factories yeah i have to tell you a story about um when i first met and was dating my wife she was telling her coworkers what i did and she said he's an industrial designer yeah and and one of her coworkers, kind of a know-it-all guy said oh he's a machinist <laughs> That's a good one. I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah. So, Cadabracaro, you could call your group the Machinists. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that often you hear, you know, do you design factories? Does that mean you design factories? Yeah. yeah. That, that's kind of the stereotypical right. response. Right. But it's such a, I don't know, it's hard. I mean, I mean to give Cadabracaro a real answer, I would just call the group the industrial design group the id group mm-hmm. um yeah i feel like id right it's it's got a solid ring to it yeah i mean yeah you could even shorten it and be kind of you know fun and you know ac- use the acronym mm-hmm. the id group yeah or yeah the industrial desu- the industrial the industrial dudes industrial dudes oh, well but that's a problem because if there are any ladies on the team so uh, industrial d- d- dudes doesn't work, but come the, up with your own. The, the industrial den. Oh yeah, the design den. The design den. That was one of our name potential names for the podcast. We should have done it. It's okay. It's locked in now. Minor details. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's. I I know your your pain. I I've worked at a couple companies that it's been industrial design group, or the hardware team and that's what they are currently i believe yeah cadaver carl said they're the hardware group or something yeah or maybe he was just referring to them as the hardware group but Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i I agree id industrial design group you know something along industrial i think that's what i would go yeah but good question good question i'm glad we could uh air our uh grievances yeah um let's see we have another we have more time for another question right yeah um I got a question from Peter. Uh, I don't. I don't want to add his full name because he's he has an interesting question. But he says uh, he, he's fresh out of school. He has a design job, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, congrats, Peter. Um, but he's kind of la- he he's 
not finding a lot of purpose in his design job. And I think it's a lot more aesthetic design, right? He's doing a lot more just lines and kind of composition, and it's not a lot of thinking, I mm. guess, is, mm. is my interpretation of his question. Um, and he says, how do you choose between holding out for a job that is fulfilling and getting a job that just pays the bills? And I think that's a really interesting question. Yeah. I personally, uh, I don't think that holding out is necessarily the way to go. Yeah. I think that if you find a job where that pays the bills, but you can also find that there are things you can learn from that job. Right. Like, especially right out of school. To set the level of expectation so high will only work against you. Yes, I 100% agree. 100% agree. You know, I I worked at a company for three years and, and it had its major ups and downs for me. But in the end, it was a really good experience and I was able to kind of carve out my own path within the company. And I think that's that's another thing that is not often talked about or should be said rather is that even if you're in job in a job and you feel like you can't find purpose within that job make make the purpose yeah definitely i mean i i you know i worked for a pet company and i love pets i mean i love i mean who doesn't love dogs and cats um well some people don't but <laughs> i do and you know, some days I was designing litter boxes, and it's like, well, this isn't the most glamorous thing. No one's really going to care about litter boxes. Um, I do. I appreciate that, James. I, I care about litter boxes. I just love design. <laughs> I just want to design everything <laughs> so that's perfect yeah. and beautiful. Um, but I totally agree your, with your sentiment of trying to find something that you can learn from. Uh, one of my, I've this is one of the best advices I've ever heard from one of my professors, Owen Foster. He said. You know, Nick, go work at a company, and once you stop learning, that's when you move on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's that's that's perfect." I mean, that yeah. kind of just sums up what you should do. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I also I also want to add to that uh, a Peter situation of kind of holding out for the perfect job is yeah, work work the job that pays your bills. And then go home and work on your passion. Right. That's where you can find meaning in your right. design. Because it's, you know, it is not so easy to find the perfect fit or the job that has the most purpose. But you right. can create that purpose. You know, nobody's stopping you from doing that in your personal right. time. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah. I And I think, you know, if it is an aesthetic-driven company are you do you feel comfortable with aesthetics like are do you feel like you've mastered aesthetics like you know maybe maybe hone that skill and then bring it to a project with purpose right because that's not meaningless yeah no that's that's good advice too that's a good question um i don't know should we we might want to wrap it up i don't know if we have enough time for the last one uh i think we should maybe wrap it up okay um thank you all for sending in questions this week i know we went a little long on our topic but we, you know we had to talk about the lamp um and if you guys have any more questions feel free to send your questions to minor details podcast at gmail.com 
Um, also, don't forget about that uh, intro and outro musical uh, <laughs> musical submission. We want you to write an entire musical based on the Minor Details I, podcast. I don't know anything about music, so all my jargon is just, can you make it sound fun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Last night, I was watching an episode of Fixer Upper. Do you know this show? On HGTV. Oh, you're married. Yes. It's that's oh, a sign that you're married. First of all, HGTV is probably one of the best television networks ever. But uh, one of the leads of the show, who's kind of the creative mind behind these these uh, fixer uppers, Joanna okay. Gaines, she okay. brings this woman into her office and goes, and and I think the what she said was, I want like I want you to make some art for for this bedroom. Wow. And right. that was that was it. Okay. So just make some music. Right, right. Um, I we would appreciate that if you could. Um, but, you know, well, you know, uh, every week we like to give a little shout out to one fellow Instagrammer who we think's doing some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And this week we wanted to shout out Mauricio Sanin. Sanin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, always, I always get tripped up on his name. I'm sorry, Mauricio. Um, but his Instagram handles at M S A N. I can't read it actually. M at, at M S A N I N M. Um, but he's a really interesting guy. He's the creative director of Moke Studios, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he is always sketching. He's always posting. He is. All, he is a machine. Yeah. And 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 no concept is ill-conceived right like it's it's all pretty fresh it's all like he's always thought he's always thinking it through and one thing the thing that i find interesting about his work and i don't know if you've noticed this or not for me i always sketch out in paper kind of the final idea i get the idea down especially for my chair sketches and then i'll sketch the chair and Mm -hmm. there's no revisions i just do the chair Mm -hmm. but for mauricio he's he he'll sketch a chair and then erase the legs and sketch new legs mm. and then you know erase the top and sketch a new top and his you have to look at his time lapses because the product evolves in the digital sphere yeah um he, he does a lot of digital sketches and that's kind of what i'm referring to is like i'll do my paper sketches and then do the digital render yeah but he, he does his like ideation through digital he edits on the fly it's interesting i i think it's an interesting uh, technique yeah it's really cool and and i love seeing his work uh he's he's super consistent and just he's hustling yeah we love hustlers <laughs> we do um yeah well thanks for listening guys again check out all the content at minor com. you can see all the images of all the things we talked about um and yeah if you wanted to check us out i'm at nick p baker on instagram and i'm at i draw on receipts Um, Thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye. Bye.